G'day race fans, welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Supercars Review. There were some pretty ordinary conditions out there, very easy to crash today. You don't need jam throttles on wet tracks. Okay, well, it's uh, 2022, the start of a new year. First race has been run and won. I'm Neville Wilkinson, and as always, I'm joined by Andrew Clark. How you going, Clarky? Oh, Nev, I'm good. I'm at the racetrack, which is a great thing, because we didn't get to you much in the last two years, and it is the start of a new season, which is what you always love. It's a great way to go. So, how'd you find it? First round. Well, it was Sydney Motorsport Park, so that was a bit of a dampener. Uh, that's a punt based on the, uh, the amount of rain we were expecting. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, we, we saw some of the same things. We saw some of the new things. We saw a few changes, and we saw it up and down. And uh, at the end of it, we got a good race. Okay, well, I'm going to go into some news headlines, let people know what's coming up in the second part of the show, and then we'll get on with some race recaps. So uh, see you on the other side. Okay, coming out of round one of the 2022 Supercars Championship at SMP, we got headlines. Mostert, have WAU finally cracked the code on the fast car? Are the stewards going to let the drivers race harder? WTF Tickford? Adelaide could be in, and that means Newcastle could be out. Super sauce for another three rounds. Inspired by Netflix Drive to Survive, there's a new show coming for supercars. Triple Eight and Couchy. You can't work? Yes, I can. How about we let the lawyers sort it out? Van Gisbergen. Is he still the man to beat? Gen 3. We may have found a way to slow the giz down. Is it a case you can't go on this ride if you're taller than this line? Blanchard Racing, not that happy about the single car pit boom. And track limits, why don't they just put a curb there? This and more coming up on the Gates Rev Limiter Supercar Review. Okay, dude, race one, to me, it was all about qualifying. That's when everybody, well, that's when you knew that who was fast, who was slow, who was struggling, the rubber hit the road. Um, that was the, the session for me. Absolutely, and it proved that yeah, Friday was very non-indicative of what was going to happen on the weekend. Uh, and, and we know Anton Di Pasquale had a cracking car here last year. He had four rounds in the month of Sydney, you know, the pole positions that he racked up, he's the pole champion etc. And of course, he dominated qualifying and uh, he just put space between him and Van Gisbergen uh, and they had a heap of space between them and everybody else. So uh, there are two qualifying champs for the year. Okay, the top 10 for qualifying? Yeah, well, we got that. The shootout was won by Di Pasquale, as we just said, uh, followed by Van Gisbergen. Tim Slade did a cracking effort to come up in third. Andre Heimgartner, also impressive. 
uh, Will Brown, Will Davison, Brody Kostecki, Chaz Mostert, Dave Reynolds in the uh, Penrite Mustang, which was pretty impressive as well, and Brock Feeney significantly in his first main game outing uh, as a qualifier into the top 10 shootout. Okay. The lights go out. Well, do the lights go out? Do they go green? What Do they go red? What? Um, but the lights go out. Yes. What happened? Uh, well, we got a fairly processional race in many ways. I mean, uh, yeah, people just walked off the line and off we went. And then we had um, people doing this and people doing that. So we had the two different strategies, really. So there was the three-stop strategy versus the two-stop strategy. And that's really all that mattered in this whole race. And, and what blew me away, Nev, was that Van Gisbergen did the three-stop strategy. So he stopped for an extra 37 seconds stationary in pit lane. And he won the race by 20 seconds. Like, um, that's a domination that we haven't seen in quite a while. Well, I've got a snippet from the press conference. Let's go to the videotape. Let's hear from, <laughs> uh, let's hear from Shane. He's in pretty good confidence with Andrew. And, and how has the day been working with a new engineer? Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. And um, after the race, he was angry and said he didn't do a good job. I'm like, mate, you've won by 20 seconds. What's the problem? <laughs> so he'll fit in well here. He's pretty, um, he's very self-critical and uh, analytical of himself. So it's a, it's a really good thing. Humorous, which is a very rare chance. But, uh, but uh, I mean, the reality is that uh, he was grounded, you know, and he loved the fact that his new engineer, which is Andrew Edwards, who has come over from Brad Jones Racing, is so competitive that he, he wanted to just do better than he did. Uh, but as he said, you know, dominated, how could you complain? Well, okay, so the race, it was kind of a bit boring. I found it a little bit confusing. Um, I, I, it was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? There's people, there was strategies going everywhere in the race. But other than that, it kind of was a little snooze festy. Yeah, it was really hard to follow what was going on and, and made it hard um, up at Sydney Motorsport Park because we didn't have the right sort of equipment for us to be able to follow it. So, you know, we were a bit at sea in terms of understanding the race strategies and where everybody was. So I imagine everybody at home was as well, you know, and, and we, we just didn't know. Uh, at one stage it was like, oh, you know, Van Gisbergen's in, in control here. And then he took a pit stop and he thought, well, that's a very early pit stop. And then, of course, he was doing the three-stopper, which we weren't quite on top of at the time. And uh, then when he came back, it was just there. But yeah, you're right. It was a bit of a snooze fest. We were sitting there waiting for this rainstorm to hit you know, because it's been raining up in Sydney like you wouldn't believe. And we just thought it was going to dump on us. Of course, five minutes after the race, what happened? It dumped like we've never seen before. <laughs> but after the race. Oh, oh after the race, yeah. I smelled like a wet dog by the time I got to the car. Going back to Van Gisbergen, I was wondering what's going on here, how they made the right decision. I, I, was, I, was, I was doubting their tactics myself. Yeah, it was a curious one. I mean... People weren't expecting a three-stopper is the bottom line. So, you know, to roll the dice, and it was really because they didn't think they could get in front of Di Pasquale easily on the track. So they decided to take a bit of a strategy gamble. And uh, clearly, you know, smart people come up with smart ideas on the run, and uh, it worked. So uh, the results? Yeah, we had Van Gisbergen, as I said, 19.5 seconds out in front of uh, Anton Di Pasquale, who led home Chaz Mostert for the podium. So uh, they're the ones we got at the press conference, and it's always good to have Chaz there because he amuses us all. Uh, then we had Will Davison, followed by Brody Kostecki, Nick Perkett, uh, Will Brown, Tim Slade, uh, Brock Feeney, and then um, James Courtney. Uh, I just had to, had to remember who car number five was for a second. 
Okay, uh, some notable uh, things out of the race. Heimgartner had a great debut for BJR, but a hole in the fuel tank ruined it all. Um, but he, he qualified well and set the fastest uh, lap of the race. Yeah, and he was going to finish in the top 10 easy. Like, he was comfortably in there. Um, and then he ended up on the reserve tank uh, on, the, on the second last lap, and then he had to pit. Okay, and the other thing is there's some debuts and some changes, how they stacked up. Well, Percat at WAU, he finished sixth, which is good. Feeney, triple eight, finished ninth, which is actually kind of better than what I thought. Um, Bryce Fullwood, uh, he, what was it? He finished 12th for BJR, solid. Jack LeBrock. He finished 13th. Todd Hazelwood finished uh, 15th for Matt Stone Racing. Not too bad. Andre Heimgardner finished 14th. Uh, Jake Kostecki finished 19th. And Thomas Randall finished uh, 20th for Tickford. Mm, we'll see how that goes on uh, <laughs> further. I'm expecting Thomas to do better than 20th. Premier, a lot of work to do. Pither, 23rd. Jacobson, 28th. And the last person really to debut for a new team, Holdsworth, and he finished 21st. Um, I would have expected a little bit better out of that too. Yeah. Maybe he's got some building to do. Well, it's a big drop, isn't it, from winning Bathurst to coming out in your next race down the bottom of the field. But uh, yeah, clearly Grove, Grove Racing's got a bit of work to do in terms of getting it all right. I mean, they, uh, yeah, the old Cali Grove Racing, which was the old Cali team. So they got a bit of work to do to get that team right. And uh, yeah, they're going to get there. I mean, they showed some promise. I mean, there was some speed at times. They just didn't show it consistently um, and certainly not across both cars. The last bit I wanted to touch on, and that would be Team 18, power steering issues again. Oh, I know, and you sit there and you watch Scott Pye with this smoking car with the power steering, and you're thinking, this is Bathurst all over again. Uh, and worse still was that when it popped off, he car straightened up and he ran into James Courtney. So it's not like you got away scat free anyway, so you got a bit of a bump in there. Uh, but having a chat to Charlie this morning, which you can hear in a second, it had nothing to do with the problems from last year. Charlie, um, power steering for Scott Pye again? I mean, it must be frustrating. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating. Um, it's actually a completely unrelated problem that we had at Bathurst and uh, at Winton. We solved that problem. It was a little minor gremlin that caused all that drama. Anyway, fixed all that and it was good. And then uh, uh, this is a completely separate problem, completely different, nothing to do with the guys. It was just an old hose that somehow slipped through the system. And uh, that's what it looks like at the moment anyway. Fingers crossed it's all done and dusted and we can move on and uh, get a bit of a, 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 a good result for the team this week. Yeah, so it was good to hear Charlie a little bit upbeat about it. Uh, I thought he'd be slashing his wrists after another power steering failure, but uh, no, um, he was there, ready to go for the next week. Okay, race one, run and one. Race two. Uh, qualifying, bit different. It was very different, wasn't it? Um, the Tickford guys had some speed, and uh, we also had a little bit of dampness on the track, so uh, it turned out to be who was on the track at the last minute uh, was going to get the good times in board. Uh, the funny thing, or not the funny thing, but the, probably the biggest story out of it was Shane Van Gisbergen popping over the curbs, um, getting a curb strike and losing his best lap, um, which was going to be the last one. Didn't get a chance to go again. 21st on the grid for Shane Van Gisbergen. So, ouch, 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 ouch. So there's some hope for everybody else, isn't there? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the top 10 shootout was quite different to the day before, which was uh, which was good to see. So, uh, you know, uh, made us amused and uh, gave us something interesting to look at. And the top 10 on the grid? Well, 
Brody Kostecki on pole for the first time ever, which is an amazing achievement. Very nice. So, uh, um, but you know, on the back of, on the back of Will Brown doing the same thing last year at the same track. So clearly, that's a it's a good car for this track. Anyway, but he knocked off Anton Di Pasquale uh, and Cameron Waters in a great bounce back to a bit of form there. So finishing third in the shootout. Uh, Brock Feeney, very impressive in fourth from Will Davison, Mark Winterbottom, Chaz Mostert, James Courtney, Bryce Forward, and then finally Todd Hazelwood, who went off the track and did not record a time during the shootout. Okay, so there's your top 10. How'd the race go? It was slightly different. I reckon it was a big contrast to yesterday. It had everything. That was a huge contrast. This race had it all, as you say. It had um, had incidents. It had uh, bits of bumps and dives here and there. It had racing. It had passing. Um, and it had intrigue, which was what we really like about it. Um, but we knew rain was coming this one, right? Like, Guaranteed rain was going to hit on this one, and it hit early in the race, uh, which made it very interesting when you're watching Shane Van Gisbergen making a mistake in a corner, in the rain, going off into the mud. Um, I thought he was gone for all money. Only Van Gisbergen get out of that, couldn't he? I mean, everybody else would have been stuck in the mud for days, but uh, no, Van Gisbergen got his way out of it. And, uh, still costly, though. He, he jumped into the pits for wet tyres, and um, two laps after that, he got lapped. Like, lapped. <laughs> You know, Van Gisbergen got lapped. So I'm remembering Cam Waters at, um, at Townsville last year when he got lapped by Van Gisbergen and he's thinking the world was about to end. So when Cam Waters went past him, what did he think then? I had to rewind 15 seconds after the Giz come back on the track because he headed straight for pit lane because we're thinking, Jesus, it's wet. You'd better come in for wet tyres. And there were guys still down Brabham Strait past pit lane still on their sticks. I'm thinking to myself... Surely everybody's coming into pit lane to get their uh, wets on. That wasn't the case. No, it wasn't. And uh, I mean, your early stoppers for that were um, Lee Holdsworth and James Courtney. They were actually in before Van Gisbergen. Um, it turned out to be a mistake. A couple of laps later, they're all coming back in to get some slicks on because uh, they just never got the speed out of it. They never got enough rain to actually need those tyres. And uh, so, yeah, a bit of a mistake. Unusual. We don't often see that. But we also saw at Triple Eight, you know, they, they dropped his car off the jacks as well Ouch. before the tyre was on. So, you know, it was a complete and utter disaster. You know, you, you think, this is Triple Eight and you're seeing that go on. It was just bizarre. Everybody got back on the slicks, but... The rain was coming. Yeah, well, we knew the rain was coming, but what we had was the intrigue. Now we had three laps, three sessions, three stints now, rather than anybody doing the odd three stops as yesterday. So it was who was on the super softs and when they were on the super softs that counted. So you had guys like Brody Kostecki um, went out early on the super softs. Anton used his super softs in the middle stint. And then you had Chaz Mostert using it in the third stint. So we had three quite distinct strategies from the lead runners to tell us which way to go. Uh, and it was pretty easy. Obvious, I think, about halfway into the race that um, Chas Mossett was looking pretty good. He was in good position on the, and still had the super softs to come. So, so long as it didn't bucket down with rain, he was in good shape. Eventually, he still had to come in. Well, he did. And he, I mean, he pitted for, the, uh, for his super softs, but then about 10 laps later, the rain hit. And uh, by that stage, though, he had control of the race. You know, once he came out on those super softs, he put you know, a few seconds up on, his, um, up on Brady Kostecki. And, uh, you know, it was very obvious then that, you know, who was going to win. Do you reckon he would have won if the rain hadn't come? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He had he had the race shot to bits in the middle of the race. Um, when he still had the super softs to come and everybody else had used their super softs that he was racing against, he was clearly going to walk away with it. I don't think he lost the leads once he got that back, no, right? No, absolutely not. He was in, yeah, say in control. So what he, he yeah. got the lead on about lap 52 and that was it. So, there were a couple of safety cars. Yeah, there were some safety cars. Don't we love safety cars? <laughs> 
they, uh, they uh, bunch up the field and hopefully give us something interesting. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of gambles on the safety cars, which was good. There was one in the rain when, um, you know, Jack LeBrock stayed out on slicks and uh, hoped that it was all going to come good, but it didn't come good. Um, but, you know, it was good to see them have a crack, I thought. You know, we're going to take a chance, they said. We want to win this thing or we want to at least get on the podium, which Matt Stone Racing's never had before. Uh, Jack LeBrock, of course, did get on a podium and win races last year with uh, with Chickford in certain circumstances. So, you know, they took a chance. Didn't work. But, you know, the safety cars yeah. were good. We were going, can Jack LeBrock, can he, can he make it to the end? Can, he's on the, it's getting heavier. He's going to start his stick. It's the only one on his slicks. Go, can he make it to the end? Oh, no, he got past. Can he at least get on the podium? No, oh, no, he's buried it in his hand. <laughs> well, but you only had to look at it. Like, you know, the, the, lap 67... Um, which was the second lap after Green, he had a 21.2-second lead over Chas Mostert. Um, two laps later, it was 6.3 seconds, you know, and, and then, of course, it was all over. You know, Chas passed him on the next lap, and then a lap later, he was uh, Jack LeBrock was in the um, in the mud. We can't call it a beaching, can we? It was mud. Mud, yeah, but but you had to go. I loved it. I was like, I was glued. Like, yeah, you know, we got to keep an eye on this. Is getting closer and closer, but yeah, six seconds a lap is pretty big. Yeah, but if it hadn't, like, if it had stopped raining, for instance, he was in a pretty good pace. Place, so uh, it was worth the gamble. I thought, you know, they were never going to win the race without it. So they take a gamble. It's a, it's what a racer does. So you know, kudos to Batstone Racing and to to Jack and his mates. Okay, well, that's the race recaps. Right after the break, what does it all mean? News headlines, what come out of it? We'll see you on the other side. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Grove Racing. Every time we hit the track, we rely on Gates premium parts to help us perform under extreme conditions. Serpentine, cooling and timing systems are crucial to your engine performance. Inspecting and replacing all system components at the same time will ensure your vehicle is ready to tackle any challenge. Protect your ride with Gates. Available from Repco, Napa Auto Parts, Super Cheap and Reputable Auto Stores. Welcome back, everybody. It's the news of what happened. First of all, Mostert, or more likely, WAU. Ah, uh, they've cracked the code for a fast race car, especially at Eastern Creek. I thought this was their hoodoo track. Yeah, and that's why it's so impressive. When you've got a hoodoo track and you break that hoodoo... Um, you know something special is coming. I mean, their dominance at Bathurst last year said they had a fast car. To back it up today, or you know, the Sunday race at that sort of speed again, I think they're looking pretty good. But to me, what excites me about it is having Nick Perkett in that team. They've got a really top quality driver in the second car who's going to be able to give them a little bit back off the, uh, in terms of setup and all of that sort of advice as well. So I'm expecting a really big year from Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. Uh, and I think that uh, Chas Mossett is in this championship right up to his neck. Well, I think the rest of us are expecting a big year from WAU considering that result. Moving on, the stewards may be going to let the drivers race a little bit harder, and I, I, I'll qualify this. There's been a few unexplained incidents. Uh, Heimgartner and Randall on Saturday. Uh, Hazelwood and Winterbottom after the chequered flag. Now, what the hell went on there? And Jack LeBrock and Feeney in, well, LeBrock did get a bit of a penalty, but there was some serious biffing and barging, and I don't know which biff and barge uh, LeBrock got the penalty from. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I haven't seen the stewards report yet, so I actually don't know that myself. I know he did get a penalty, but we got no idea what it was really for. But 
just watching them, allowing them to race and race hard, that's what we all want, don't we? We, we want, don't want people coming in for Tiggy Touchwood contact and a little bit of bruising here and there. Let them race and sort it out. Uh, of course, the one that's the most curious of all is the Hazelwood Frosty Winterbottom after the check and flag. I mean, any time when people go spearing off the track at 240 kilometres per hour in, uh, in the rain after a race, you've got to ask a few questions. So uh, Frosty was a bit grumpy. Do we know what happened? No, I'm sure that one will be seriously investigated and that'll go well into the night, I would think, and probably into the week. So, yeah. I'm sure that'll come out in the rest of the news sources uh, after this show. Um, Okay, let's move on to Tickford. WTF, like, uh, qualifying on Saturday. (sighs) That hurt. (laughs) What? what, Fill us in. Well, it did, didn't it? I mean, you think about Let's go back to the month of Sydney first. When they started the month of Sydney last year, they were in a world of pain. Like, they were right down there with the slowest cars in the field. They ended up getting some speed over those four weeks. And they honestly came here expecting to be okay. Um, They hit the track on Friday and they were, you know, what, second or third fastest, like, you know, uh, Cam was in the press conference, uh, but it was a bit of a drizzly old day. Then they hit the track on Saturday, and it was gone. They had no speed. I mean, James Courtney was the top out of their four cars in 15th spot. Uh, Cam Waters was in 22nd position um, with no excuses. So Ow. big problems. Then they went. They um, they threw a bunch of changes at it for the race, which looked okay. Then they went back on sa- a Saturday night and threw a whole bunch more changes at it, and they actually had some speed on Sunday. So they went from, a uh, God, what's happening? They're going to go backwards to uh, they've actually got a chance here and uh, they almost got on the podium on Sunday. So good recovery, but uh, you're going to have to be a lot more consistent, especially with their other bogey track, Simmons Plains, coming up next. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find out in the fullness of time. Okay, some news stuff. Adelaide in, Newcastle out. Um, I'm assuming Adelaide in's if the uh, Labor government gets in in South Australia, but Newcastle out, is that out because Adelaide's in or they out, out? Uh, I think it's out because Adelaide's in type of thing. Um, if, as you say, if New South Wales, if the Labor Party wins the election in South Australia, the Adelaide 500 is on. There were all sorts of concerns about where is the equipment to build the track. So the Shaheens who own the Bend Motorsport Park. That's my question. Well, they bought the bridges only. So the bridges, oh. so if you want to, they can actually unbolt the bridges and take them back or they can build some new bridges. All the concrete blocks were bought by, or half of them were bought by one person who is more than happy to lend them back to the Adelaide 500 to allow it to happen again. So um, I'm expecting to head there in late November. Um, I'm trying to find a combination. I've just got to take a gamble on which weekend it's going on. <laughs> so you're saying that they don't have a spot for Newcastle if Adelaide happens? No, I think Newcastle, they want it to be the first round anyway. So I think it's just one of those ones where, you know, let's... What, so you're saying it's not going to happen even if Adelaide doesn't happen? No, it's not going to happen. It's still up there. What about Perth? Is that going to happen? Well, that depends on their Premier, doesn't it? And who knows? I mean, uh, all we have to do is one sniffle over the East Coast and he'll shut the borders. So uh, at the moment, yeah, it's okay. But who knows? Winter's coming. <laughs> okay. Super softs for Simmons Plains, Darwin and Winton. Um, our mate Kev from Dunlop thought they'd last 15 to 18 laps, but I didn't see him drop off a cliff like what I was expecting. No, they got good life out of it, but um, the ones who reported good life, so let's say Andre Heimgartner was going really well when he had no traffic around him, but as soon as he had to race, the tyres chunked up and cut to pieces really badly. So on their own, they were really good. In the traffic, they weren't so good. But, uh, you know, they were getting about 22, 24 laps out of them on the Saturday night, but we expect that because there's no, um, you know, there's no UV to cook them. 
um, come Sunday, like it was overcast the entire day. So I don't think we've got a real indication yet as to what the Super Soft is going to do. But I'm really looking forward to those three race meetings that have the Super Softs only. That Simmons Plains is the next one. Hopefully it's sunny. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is Tasmania, so who knows what could happen there. <laughs> ah. Next, new TV series is coming for supercars. This is like the Netflix style of thing? Yeah, well, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, we've had a few attempts at it with supercars, and they've come up with some pretty ordinary shows, in my opinion. Um, you know, there was the one that Betty paid for where they followed the Erebus team for the whole of a season, um, which wasn't so good, but, um, you know, we'll eventually get something good if they uh, throw it at the right people. So think Drive to Survive for supercars and um, hopefully they get it started this year. Triple Eight and Couchy. Uh, there's a big blue happening there. Lawyers at 10 paces. What's the latest? Uh, well, yeah, we, as we know, I like having lawyers at 10 paces, given I do work <laughs> for a law firm. So uh, I think it's a cracking thing. Uh, there, of course, Triple uh, Eight are upset because Couchy's there. They say he's breaking their gardening leave, which means that theoretically he's not allowed to work for that team for a certain period of time, which is normally sort of six months, could be 12 months. Uh, and Couchy signed that contract many years ago when he first started there, so he's been there for a long time, obviously. Um, but he's at the track, isn't he? And he was at the Test Aid Winton, so Triple Eight have cracked it. They've launched a legal action against him. Um, Grover saying Couchy's okay. There's all sorts of um, you know suppositions going on as people saying this, that, whatever. Uh, we're not going to know what the real facts are until it actually ends up in court. One of the questions that I want to ask... I've thrown this one. Van Gisbergen, is he still the man to beat? Oh, I think he is absolutely the man to beat. We saw on Saturday on Saturday how good he is. Uh, and then we saw on Sunday, after going from a, a lap down to finish in sixth spot. I mean, that was an amazing effort, uh, an amazing drive. After what he said was a pretty ordinary first 20 laps in the race. Uh, but we know that that team's got everything. It's got the right engineers. It's got some really clever heads, you know, from, from Jeremy Moore, etc. downwards. Uh, and I don't think they missed not having Roland Dane there. So I think the transition to, to Jess Dane and Jamie Woodcup worked quite well. Gen 3, we think they may have inadvertently found a way to slow uh, Shane down. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that all about? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen one of the new Camaros, Nev, but yep. uh, the door opening's pretty small. So apparently he's finding it very hard to get in and out of with the low so roof what, line. So is he cramped in the seat or is he cramped getting out of the thing? Well, apparently he's cramped in the seat as well, um, as, oh. are, as are a lot of the drivers doing the testing. You know, they're finding it quite uncomfortable. So that's something they're going to sort out and they'll get to sort that part out but they're not going to be able to change the door opening. I mean, the door opening is the door opening and the roll cage is the roll cage. So, uh, so you can I, the cramped in the seat means what is he too tall? Is he too high or his legs are too, his knees are up around his chest. What's going on? Uh, well, I don't know exactly what's inside, but everybody's reporting the same thing about being cramped. Cause if you look at our supercar drivers, a lot of them are quite tall. Um, and they're all struggling with it. So they, they'll just do something. They'll move the seats around in the car and get it to somewhere else so that it looks a little bit better. Um, and uh, hopefully a little less cramped for when they're racing. So they've got plenty of time to sort that one out. The the uh, guys organising the cars are quite confident they can fix that. But as I say, the door is the problem and uh, that won't be fixed. Blanchard Racing, they're silently not happy. Well, actually, your notes say they're downright shitty. <laughs> Why are they shitty? Well, it's one of those ones where there's bonuses and uh, negatives to where they are. So they're down the, the top end or the bottom end of pit lane, whichever way you're looking. Is this their pit position? 
Yes, it is their pit position, yes. So they're the first team as you come into pit lane, and they're sitting there on their own, um, which is not such a bad thing in one way because it means you never have to share your boom with anybody. So you've got complete control over your own pit strategy, but then the downside is that you've actually got to bring more people to the track than they were bringing before. So it's, uh, it's put a push on their bottom line, um, but it also means they've got a little bit more inexperience going on as well. So you saw one of the pit stops was a bit troubled this week, um, and that's all related to it. So they kind of want it, but they don't want it. You know, they'd rather have had that third Matt Stone racing car running and sharing the boom with them. Isn't that also a kind of a valid bid to have a 26th car on a grid? Well, it is odd, isn't it, having an odd number on a grid? Um, I thought it was strange in the first place, so uh, I never understood why it didn't happen. Um, but, you know, there's probably some reason for it. I just don't know what it is, and they've never told us. Um, well, I wanted to mention Super 2. That had cracking racing on the weekend. Oh, wasn't that? The, the Sunday race was a blinder. It had everything. It had biffing, barging, swapping, passing, the whole deal. You know, all the way from a controversial incident on the first corner with uh, Anthony uh, Angelo Mazuris whacking somebody off the track. Uh, but what was more fascinating was the fact that, you know, it's the three big guns. You've got Triple Eight, you've got Tickford, and you've got the Grove Racing cars out there fighting each other, um, which was good to watch. So uh, and then you got a couple of others throwing it as well, you know, the Matt White Racing and so forth. Uh, but really good outcome. You know, we got Zach Best from the Tickford team, who was a star, I thought, at Bathurst last year, leading the championship from Matt Payne. So, uh, you know, off we go. Well, we're all keeping an eye on Matt, considering he's kind of slated to go to, to, go to Grove Racing. Well, he's he's been touted as the next superstar, hasn't he? So, uh, no pressure, buddy. No, no, not at all. Not on Lee Holdsworth either. And uh, finally, before I get into the points, track limits. Uh, that was a bit of a, not a, kind of a race ruiner. Yeah, oh, it does my head in, Nev. Seriously, I was watching the Formula One last year. Track limits penalty. Please give the cornerback, do this is. Why don't they just build curbs that are big enough so that we don't get all these people dribbling off at turn six or the last corner? You know, just get it right, buddy. Build the racetrack for cars. Forget about motorbikes. So where were the track limit uh, places at the track? Six in the last corner? Is uh, only? Sorry, Sorry, turn five and the last corner, yeah. Five and last corner, rightio. But yeah. that's where they went out a wide, a lot of them went out wide. Maybe they can't put a curb there. No, they can put a curb there. They've just made it nice for the motorbikes. So motorbike racing don't want curbs because when they fall off, um, the curb sends them airborne. It hurts. Um, yeah, so when they're airborne, they, you know, anything can happen. So they don't put them in. Uh, but it affects the car racing because it means the cars can go out there and use all of this extra space. Um, and you know what car racing drivers are like. If they see extra space, they're going for it. I, I don't know why they just don't let them do it. Well, that's one option, isn't it? Just to well, say, well, just let the- them all do it. You can all do it. Sooner or later, you're going to arrive at the grass and you've got to get back over. Yeah, well, that's... That's your other option, isn't it? Just um, you know, health, go for it. But it's really stupid to me. You know, you've got people being penalised for it. I mean, that's why Van Gisberg had lost his qualifying lap. Um, it's why Todd Hazelwood lost his shootout lap. You know, and then you're getting people getting penalised in the races, getting five seconds here and there because they've gone over it too many times. Um, Danton Di Pasquale had a warning in the last race, you know. I just think, get it out of our lives. It really doesn't help the racing. It's a bit like the one where they penalised, um, you know, two of the cars for going out on wet tyres before the um, the clerk of the course said they could do it. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Okay, I'm going through the points, fella. 
Okay. Um, top of the table, Chaz Mostert on 279 points. In second, Anton Di Pasquale, minus 12 points down. Next is Shane Van Gisbergen on minus 27 points. Brody Kostecki follows on negative 30 points. In fifth place is Will Davison, uh, 63 points off the leader. Cameron Waters, 87 points off. Will Brown in seventh with 93 points down. Andre Heimgardner, minus 108. Tim Slade in ninth, 111 points. And rounding out the top 10, Brock Feeney, 123 points off the leader. Not a bad debut, is it? Man, Chaz Mostert. I knew we had it. Uh, It'd be interesting to see how it all goes. Yeah, well, as he said, first time he's ever led the championship. So, uh, you know, he's been around for a long time. Remember before he broke his leg at Bathurst, you know, he was running second in that championship. So, uh, you know, yeah, big thing. And uh, as I say, I think they've got the goods to go all the way this year. It's going to be a really good battle between him and Van Gisbergen. Well, he did say it's going to be hard to shave that colour off his hair because (laughs) if he's got to win with coloured hair, (laughs) we know how superstitious drivers are. (laughs) I know, exactly. But the uh, the Foxtel guys reckon it's because they had their bunker there. What? So what's going to be orange for the next race? I don't know. Yeah, it could be, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm getting out of here. Clarky, thanks for joining us. Listeners, I appreciate you tuning in. No, it's we'll talk to you after Simmons Plains. Gotcha. Okay. Okay.